0: This is Ryan Cruz from CultureCast Radio, and you're listening to the 4D Podcast Network. Welcome to Home Alone. I'm your host, Michael Malone, and today I'm sharing a conversation I had with Michelle Quay. Michelle is a confidence and leadership coach, and she's also the author of a new memoir called Perfectly Normal, An Immigrant's Story to Making It Here in America. I was excited to talk to Michelle because uh, I struggle with a lot of negative thoughts from my inner voice, and since our conversation, I've actually done some homework and I've actually started working on that part of myself. I started reading a book called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. If you're someone who struggles with disconnecting yourself from that voice in your head, this book is for you. Years ago I had heard this theory that like you are not the voice in your head. You know, you're just merely the observer of these thoughts. And I don't know about you, but I've always had a hard a hard time wrapping my mind around what that really means, you know? If this voice in my head doesn't belong to me, then, who's in there? One of the best ways I've heard this broken down is, is is this: If you are hearing the voice, then obviously it's not you talking. you are the one listening. The way Michael explains it in, in his book is like this, like suppose you're looking at three objects: uh, a flower pot, a photograph, and a book, and then someone asks you, "Which object is you?" well. None of them, right? You are the one who's observing these objects. No matter what you put in front of me, I am always going to be the one observing. That's how the voice works, too. You are just observing that voice. Another big breakthrough for me was learning that the main function of that voice in your head is to comfort you. Like, you ever find your voice arguing with itself? It'll go back and forth and back and forth until whatever counterpart it makes is one that's conveniently the most comfortable for you. Like if you're trying to decide to get married or not, your voice will go back and forth in your head about the pros and cons until eventually it ends up on the decision that you're most comfortable with. It's all a show. Those voices in your mind did all of that just to land on the decision that is the most comfortable for you. I wish I had read this book before my conversation with Michelle as you're about to hear, I was completely lost about all this stuff before, and, and Michelle was great about guiding me to find a lot of these answers that I was looking for, but I, I still had a hard time fully wrapping my mind around the concept of separating self from voice. However, she was extremely helpful with my questions about self-image and self-love, and because that's kind of her specialty, Michelle's journey started when she was permanently disabled as a result of a hit-and-run car accident when she was 11 years old. She then grew up in a society and culture where beauty is weighed heavily on the appearance and the the stories that she told herself are are harsh and, and oftentimes cruel. Michelle's story is one of courage, determination. And eventually, she was forced to look inward and face her own judgments and harsh criticism before being able to let go of some of that and face the judgment of strangers. These days, Michelle helps people all over the world let go of some of their own harsh judgments and accept themselves with unconditional love through strength and beauty. And, well, she's been on a mission to share her positivity with the world. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you today. I hope it helps you like it's helped me. Enjoy. I am so excited to talk with you today because uh, I have such a terrible, terrible inner voice. (laughs) And I've been on this self-care kick for the past few years, but that is the one obstacle I I just can't seem to get over. And I I had heard something recently that I thought I would share with you, which is uh, I I saw somebody say that um, if the voice inside your head was like another person. Like, like they were just a person. Would you hang out with them? And the answer is fucking no. (laughs) How do you, how do you work on that inner voice? How do you get him to be nicer?
1: (laughs) I'm like, I'm sitting here all laughing. I'm like, (laughs) you're, um, you're absolutely right, but I would also suggest that, you know, that nasty SOB person, yes. you can actually invite that person to a tea party. Maybe they would appreciate a tea party.
0: I, But I, I don't like them and they don't like me.
1: <laughs> well... You know, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to explore here because.
0: <laughs> yes, please fix me. I need, I need help.
1: So, so first of all, I'm, I'm curious, like what is the most common message that you heard from your, from your nasty. Oh man. Um, friend? Uh,
0: you know what? It's uh, I, I struggle with a lot of self image stuff. I grew up uh, a larger kid uh in like uh when I was when I was a young a young man growing up around the age 10 or 11 I had a bowl cut and double pierced ears and I wore a lot of silk shirts (laughs) I look like I joke around that I look like Rosie O'Donnell when I was 10 10 years old
1: um Rosie O'Donnell is famous
0: she's great she's great because she's Rosie but as a 10 year old boy You know, looking like Rosie O'Donnell, not ideal, not ideal Uh, (laughs) in the 90s (laughs) growing up. Uh, You know, so I struggle with a lot of that self-image. And, um, you know, somebody I I was talking to somebody else uh, a a while ago and they had um, they taught me the uh, the post-it note trick, which I'm sure you're aware of this. Where you you take little post it notes and you put them around your house, especially on your mirrors that are saying that say things like, "Hey, you look great," or "Man, you're cute," or you know, like you're doing it, <laughs> you know, those things. Which you know, these affirmations, which is which is great, and I and I'm sure that works for a lot of people. But I I joke around a lot that I'm like. I think I I might be too smart for self-care sometimes because I, when I look at a post-it note on the mirror that says you look great, I know that I wrote that message and I, and, and I know that I don't really like me that much. And so I'm like, what does this idiot know?
1: (laughs) It it feels like a fake. It feels like a fake.
0: And and it is it's hard
1: to believe that, yeah, I am great. I am pretty awesome. It's hard to believe when people tell you that. And, and if, if it's coming off from, like, from me, I'm just making that shit up. I, I feel, it feels like <laughs> right. I'm just making that shit up because I am not living and being that awesome person. Like, who, who the fuck is that?
0: Right. How do, you, how do you fight back against that?
1: You don't fight back. So so here's a a caveat, a lot of people are getting hung up on and it's the imposter syndrome that people are experiencing, right? So people think that in order to fight the imposter or to overcome the imposter is you gotta gotta do self-affirmation, you gotta do gratitude journal, you gotta do this and that. There's a lot of doing, but they're not recognizing who, who are they truly being. So they're not looking at what you already have. What do you already have? Let's go back to you know when you were a ten year old. Yes, you know there's a lot of body body image issues that you were recognizing. That's because the body image issue is something a belief that we as a society, as a culture, we have created it. We created. We have the uh, belief that in order to look perfectly normal, you have to look in certain way. As a ten year old kid. You should be looking pretty active. You should be playing ball. You should be on the soccer field, football team. And you should be doing this and that. But that doesn't say anything about who you are. Let's talk about what the society wants you to be. And so there's a lot of these culture expectation or image, or it's creating a shoebox that put upon us. And here you are. You're supposed to expect to behave in such a way that you become part of that society's expectation. But most of us, many of us, all of us, we actually have that uniqueness that's inside of everyone. So as a 10 year old, I'm sure you were really good at doing something. Whether it's not o- obeying to your parents, you were really good at doing something. So what was that doing something? And that is what you need to cultivate. What, was the, what, what were you good at? Uh,
0: mainly eating. No, okay. I was, no, I was, I was good at art and drawing and, and all those things. And I was, I was a very creative person and um, yeah. And I, I've tapped into those things later in life, but it doesn't seem to, you know, once that high is gone from performing um, you know, that that's a rush, like, like, like no drug on the market. You know what I mean? That, that, that adrenaline and everything that goes with performing and, and that creative world, Once once you, once you create something and share it with others and it's accepted, that feeling is, is unmatched. Right. But I feel like when that's fleeting, when that's gone, then you're left with just the same struggles you had with before about this idea of not being enough. Or again, like what you're saying is being marketed to is like, this is, this is the image of what you should be. And this is who you should be. And this is the car you should drive. And this is, you know, all of those things that we get consumed with and overwhelmed with through commercials, especially in this country.
1: There's a, there's a reason why we chase all of these though. It's that surge, it's that adrenaline that kick in and that feels good, right? So same thing when you were um, spending a lot of time in the creative world, it felt good to be able to draw and to be able to recognize by you know, our parents or teachers say, oh wow, you, you're really talented in drawing. It gives you that bumps, a, a confidence bump to get you up there and you actually feel, you actually truly believe that I am awesome. And that is the moment that we all seek for and we search for. So whether it's a car that brings out happiness, whether it's the, um, the job title um, next to our name that brings us that, that sense of fulfillment, it's that feeling that we are chasing after. And once, it's, once we have it, and if it doesn't last, if our reputation doesn't last, if our talent doesn't last, it drops and the feeling just disappears. So so the idea is how do you get that feeling from something I was that's more just succinct. going to
0: ask that is there a way to recreate that feeling or to you know and you know uh, i i think that meditation gets uh, pushed upon us a lot or, or or journaling like you mentioned earlier these gratitude journals and stuff i think that stuff gets pushed on us but is there a different way to 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 get that feeling
1: I I believe it's about finding your own purpose in life. And this is going to be a little more uh oh, high. Man, that's that's
0: yeah, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't know, but that. <laughs> you, you know, here. just forget it. Just forget it. I'm out a...
1: You know, it is true. I never said that, you know, in order to overcome your negative self talk you don't have to do any work. You that's actually right. have to do a lot of work, you know.
0: That's true that's and that's the thing a lot of people don't realize about self care and what I talk about a lot is this idea of nobody else is going to do that work, but you yes. um you know and we and that and that goes you know I talk a lot about comparing ourselves to others, and it's you know in this mentality of you versus the world, and it's it's not you versus the world, it's you versus you, and if you want to be better, then you have to do the fucking work, which Nobody wants to hear.
1: (laughs) And and nobody, nobody wants to, what they don't want to hear is they go to work with someone and here you are, you're paying them money. And yet they want you to do the work. So a lot of times my my conversation with clients is involved with, hey, but I I just paid you. Aren't you supposed to get me going? Yeah, but you're going to have to do the work. Oh, wait, you mean I pay you, but I have to do the work? Yeah. yeah.
0: And they, I think a lot of people expect overnight results too.
1: A lot of them. Yes. Yes. It, it's like we're living in this, um, fast food society where, you know, you go into the store, you pay your money, you get your meal and you walked out, you're, you're done. Right. And same thing with our life. We expect to go in somewhere, do the thing they told us to do and being able to be successful.
0: Yeah. They're like, Hey man, I meditated once. Shouldn't I be enlightened? <laughs> you know? Hey man, I did 30 minute yoga on YouTube. I'm a different person now. You're like, no, 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 no. That's That's the beginning. <laughs> you got to keep doing those things.
1: And and once they found out it doesn't work, it, it's really discouraging. So I know people who practice meditation for a while, for a long time, and suddenly when a life event happened, it drops and bring them down to the place where they're they're thinking about how how sad my life is or how terrible this event happened. Um, what do I do and then start they, they start neglecting everything that they have been practicing all their entire life and they found themselves in a place where they're just just back to zero again
0: yeah and, and especially that that goes so so hand in hand with this imposter syndrome that we all I think a lot of us suffer from um, how do we how do we kick that habit how do you is it just practicing talking nicer about yourself and to yourself?
1: Um, that would be one way you can continue to do the affirmation. But personally, I don't believe that just by doing the affirmation is going to help because you have to actually truly believe what you are affirming yourself about. How if you do you do believe- that? <laughs> So, so that's easy, right? You have affirmation routine in the morning. You can wake up setting your intention. Today, I am going to feel awesome. That's a great way of affirming what your day is going to look like. And one question I often ask myself is, all right, so I'm waking up today. What does my day going to look like? Do I want to look like, you know, sunny outside? Or do I want to see, feel like it's overcast? So you set up your intention on how you want to feel. And what do you want to feel? And throughout the day, you're pretty much just following that goal. So today, I want to feel pretty awesome. So what are some of the things I need to do in order to feel awesome? I can put out more podcasts. I can write a blog. I can do a lot of things to make me feel awesome. Now, to address the, the, the person that you, you didn't like, but somehow you found yourself friending that person, <laughs> that internal voice, <boy. laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can unfriend, okay? So there's no button that you can unfriend. <laughs> you can do <laughs> is despite how resentful you are to that, to that inner critic, what you can do is two ways, or um, well, at least these are the two common ways. You can imagine that person is a real person, invite that person into a tea party, or you can draw that person. What does that person look like every time he's uh, yapping at you, next to you? Maybe oh, it's a he's,
0: he's, he's ugly. He, I hate him. He's... <laughs>
1: what does he look like? Do you have a name for him?
0: No, I don't. I, I mean, it's me, right? It's just it, it, like the voice inside. I, I struggle with this idea too. And I've heard this, this idea of we are not uh, our our consciousness. Like right? we are, we're just experiencing ourselves. And I struggle with that idea because I, I have a hard time separating myself from myself right this this inside voice from who i think i am um they seem to be the same person instead of this idea like you're talking about with like uh, treating this voice as if as as if it's another person to me it's just me and i'm just a a dick (laughs) (laughs) No, but you know what I mean? Like you're just like uh, you know, it feel it feels like it's it's just the voice in my head, so it has to be me, right?
1: So you <laughs> this is actually this is actually <laughs> deeper than than what I had expected. So yes, there are <laughs> a lot of people who cannot dissociate um this inner void, that void that comes on versus the who 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 they are. So there's they right. identify identify themselves with that voice that's inside of the head. And so when you ask them, you know, what's that voice look like? And you're like, what do you mean? It's me. But is it truly you? So so we as human beings, I don't know if you have any uh, particular beliefs or faith practice or religion practice. We as human beings, we have the physical world and we also have a conscious, right? So the way that we think is because you have that level of um, consciousness. And this is something that's scientifically uh, proven, right? Even your body die, there's some sort of brainwave activity that still kind of linger around, even though your physical body is uh, decaying, it's, it's, it's slowly dying. Um, so you have this brainwave activity that's going on. So it, it, there's proof that this conscious actually, exists, and you're using it right this very moment. So if you are your consciousness, and you are not the, um, this unconscious human uh, or, or voice that's going on, then who are you?
0: Oh, man, that's a question I've been asking myself for years. <laughs> who am I? <laughs> no, but I mean, I think I think a lot of us struggle with that. I mean, that's a very real question. And I would argue that, you know, what I always think is we are the stories that we tell ourselves. And, you know, and in, in my book, I even talk about, you know, the story about my father. I say that like, you know, we are all made up of the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories other people tell about us. And I think at our core, that's who we are. And, in the realm of self-care and, and all, and all of that, um, I think the, the, the narrative that you are telling yourself these affirmations, the, you know, all of that adds into who you are, because that's who you're telling yourself you are. And again, I, I guess my struggle is, being aware of that. I feel like a, I feel like a robot that's become self-aware. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, "Oh wait, I know I'm a robot." Fuck. <laughs> you know, that's when they go crazy in the movies when they they become aware that they are just a machine. That's that's the level that I think I'm at where I'm where I go, "Oh wait, uh now I recognize this. Now what?" Um
1: So there's, oh, wow, <laughs> this is like, <laughs> I feel like we can have like a two hour conversation down there. Right? You,
0: you weren't <laughs> expecting, you're like, oh, this guy does dick jokes. This would be an easy podcast. And here I am hitting you with.
1: <laughs> no, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. So, so here's my, my concept and my belief about human consciousness. I believe that we all came from one source. And that one source is pure, it's natural, it's full of possible potential. Now that source came and for whatever reason, we were put on this earth for whatever reason uh, that we, we are here for. And we have this physical body that we do things. So that, that initial um, pure energy, or I would just call it maybe a ball of light or something like a light ball, it comes and as you grow, Yes, we are becoming the story that we tell ourselves and other people tell us, but they are not our original story. They're not us. So the story that you hear the minute that you exist is not your story. Your story is this pure untouched super light ball or power ball that are meant That was meant to do something bigger and greater. But here here we are. We're all listening to the story that other people are telling us. We're listening to the story that we are telling ourselves. And where does the story come from? The stories come from your social expectations, your culture, your family values, your parents, generations and generations of how... A human should behave what you need to go through in order to be successful. So those are the story that where it came from. And we internalize it and believe that those are the stories that we need to believe. Now, take away all those stories that coming from outside and the stories that you've been telling yourself and you go back to this pure consciousness full of potential. Then... There is no story behind it. So there is, and this is something that a lot, of, I see people struggle with too, is because they attach themselves to, I am possible. I am beautiful. I am awesome. What if you're just, I am? There is no yeah. label.
0: Yeah, because you're atta- when you're doing that, you're attaching yourself to kind of a pre-written narrative, right? Like yeah. when you say I am beautiful, I am this, I am that. You then this is a this is a thing saying that, or you know, a lot of I hear a lot of destiny talk uh, from people who aren't as tapped in, and they're saying, "Well, this is my destiny to do this." And I'm like, "Well, I don't really believe in in the destiny part because that seems like a pre written, uh, let's just say a pre written book, right? A pre written story." And I am of the belief that you can rewrite your own story. At any time.
1: Because you are. And, and that's yeah. the end of the story. There is no story. So, so whatever that you want to create, you can create it.
0: Now, are you, is this, is this tapping into manifestation? Are you big on that?
1: It, it is in the way that whatever that you believe in, you can create. But, but it, law of attraction is great, but it t- doesn't talk about how to manifest, right? We all know we want to manifest. We want to manifest our reality, but how?
0: Right, it seems like such a buzzword going around now too. It feels like ever since like 15 year olds on TikTok learned about manifestation, they're like, it's everywhere now. It's just a hashtag.
1: Yeah, I, I, believe, I believe it's about being. So if you can really go back and, and focus on who am I? If you can answer that question without a doubt, then you are recognizing your true self, and you're going back to really tap into what you what you came for originally without these stories, and that's how you manifest. So the more that you become aware of who you are being in this earth and what what is it that you're doing, the manifest manifestation comes when. You are attracting whatever that comes into your life, whether it's money, success, um, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever that you want to attract. People are going to sense it; they're going to see it. Become this magnet of just recognizing who you are.
0: How do you how do you begin to to find out who you are?
1: Awareness, awareness is number one. The first step of becoming and recognizing who you are. So you're in a voice, right? You recognize that this is happening and, and how do I deal with it? I'm struggling with it. So that's a, that's a great step. Actually. If you're hearing voices, that's a good, that's a good <laughs> <so>. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I just assume that everybody has uh, an voice. Does not everybody have a voice in their head?
1: Some people don't know that it's a, it's an invoice because you, you, you were describing it earlier. Like, what do you mean? It's me. And, yeah. and people are still struggling to identify that this is not them and they rec- they don't recognize that there's a voice they just assume that this is how it's always been all right so so awareness is number 1 and then acceptance is your step number 2
0: this is just this just feels like <laughs> aa you have to realize you have a problem <laughs>
1: And you got to accept that you have a problem. Yeah.
0: And then next <laughs> call 10 friends, let them know how they hurt you or how you hurt them.
1: <laughs> it's true. It's true. Oh my God. This is- it, it is true. Because then you can, you can hear from other people, wow, how they're seeing me, right? But that's all part of the awareness part. The acceptance is about letting go the stuff that you can no longer change. So body image was also something that I was struggling with. Um, I, I, I had to come to term with the fact that there's nothing I can do about this body. I'm stuck here, right? This is a vehicle that I'm gonna be driving for the rest of my life, deal with it. And, and that was a moment where it finally dawned on me that, okay, so I can change this body but there's got to be something else that I can do. Otherwise, what is my life purpose? Um, so I was on a, on a mission to search for my life purpose because here I am. I'm stuck. How do I, how do I move from that? So it was like yeah. accepting my body image.
0: That, that letting go is so important, and I think that goes a long way in, in every, everything that you deal with, whether it be relationships or dealing with yourself or your job or whatever. Letting go of things that you recognize are toxic or not, or not good for you. Um, I think a lot of times we hold on to the idea, not in your scenario, but I'm just talking about letting go in general. I think, I think people hold on to things because of this weird loyalty that we're taught. And, um, I, you know, I, I had heard something, uh, just recently about loyalty where this, this guy said, um, he's, he's not loyal to people. He's loyal to principles. And I thought that was just such a, a great way to look at it if, and, and learning how to let go of those things that are weighing you down or that are toxic in your life that are causing problems. And it doesn't matter if you've been at your job for 10 years. You've been dating this person for, you know, 15 years or whatever. If it goes bad, it goes bad. And if, it's, and if it's not good for you, it's just not good for you. And you need to learn how to let go of that. How, how can people practice that feeling of letting go? Cause there's a lot of fear that goes along with that.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I, I don't believe it's so much about loyalty. I believe it's more about fear. So when we're, when, when we're, not letting things go because there's fear that comes behind it. So what, what is the fear behind your you wanting to let it go? Because you lose something, right? I, either Whether it's um, your job, you're losing your opportunity, you're losing your chance of, <clears throat> I don't know, paying your rent, you know, letting go of a girlfriend, you lose your opportunity to be loved or to love. So there's a lot of fear behind it. I think what really works for fear is, Um, actually bring it to light so without without judgment and how do you bring it to light without judgment so fear is just an emotion it's a it's a response a a very natural human response that we have to fear and to happiness how do you respond to happiness when you can show up you embrace it you enjoy it so when fear show up, most of us will just push away the fear. We don't wanna see it, we don't wanna deal with it. It feels very uncomfortable to sit with it. So the more that you push your fear away, the more the fear will latch on to you because it's, it wants to latch on to something that, that's, um, that's giving it a lot of attention. So fear would, comes because we're creating these stories and what works is really creating a safety net. So let's say you're losing your job what would be your safety net options? What are your choices? Looking at your choices and list them. What are some of the realistic things that you should be worried about versus the stuff that you are just making it up? You're making the shit up and you're just sitting with that shitty story of yours and that's generating a lot of fear. So creating a safety net, kind of like a pros and cons. If I do quit my job, what's gonna happen? How can I create safety around all these things that i suspect going to happen so you're tying up the loose ends to protect yourself from falling really hard so you're coming up with a plan behind all the fear that you have that's one way
0: yeah how did how did you overcome this this fear and 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 moving forward with this this vehicle that you've been given
1: I, I basically just woke up one day and I said, I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, very <Yeah>. powerful. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, no, it's yeah. perfect.
1: No, it, it actually, I, I had to, so I went through that same process of uh, being, being aware that I was afraid to be judged by people. Every time I go out, people would turn and look at me. And to overcome it, I actually put myself in a very uncomfortable position. I decided, um, I, first of all, I wanted to go to the gym. So I went to the gym and people saw me walking in with two crutches and, and I'm like 44 inches tall. Everybody turn and they look, all like, right, great. All right, they're looking at me. All right, let's do something, right? So it's very uncomfortable for me to stand in front of the public and people are looking at me wondering what is wrong with her. So I put myself in a lot of places where it feels uncomfortable. Going to the gym was one, doing public speaking. Um, I was really afraid of public speaking or turning on my video and doing some talk. So I decided, you know what? Let me just turn it on and see what happened. And the more that you do it, the, the better you get. And you learn from all the mistakes that you have made and you kind of come back and they say, OK, so the next time I turn on video, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to talk about. And so you keep learning as you fall. Um, same thing like going to the gym. You know, I didn't know how to turn on the uh, treadmill. They, you know, nowadays they make treadmill like, incredibly complicated.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, you can watch Netflix on it and you can do all these things, but you don't know how to change the fucking speed.
1: Thank you. Right. I was struggling with that. I had never gone to a treadmill. And then so I'm like standing there and figuring out. And finally, I said, you know, all right, let me just ask. So vulnerability is actually one of our superpower. And it's something that I've learned that you can use your vulnerability to accomplish a lot of things, including overcoming that fear. So if I'm afraid, I'm going to tell people, hey, listen, I'm really afraid and I need you to help me to support me. And this is show me how to do it. And that's one of the things I had asked. Can you show me how to use the treadmill?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, asking for help is such a scary situation because nobody it's that fear of, of feeling dumb or being judged or whatever mm-hmm. that, that goes along with it. We don't we don't want to be the one person that doesn't get it. And I yeah. feel like uh, everybody's just wandering through the world too stubborn to ask for help because they don't want to be looked at as uh, the person who doesn't get it.
1: It's, it feels something that's shameful.
0: Yeah, and you and here's the thing. You look even dumber when you don't ask because that's when you 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 fuck stuff up or you ruin something or you break something and then you're like, oh man, I should have just asked somebody how to do that. Uh, you have that regret. Um yeah. And yeah, and and talking about just diving headfirst into fear and your emotions and and everything. I, I, man, I talk about that all the time with people who are, um, you know, especially I'm, you know, I, I like to fight the narrative of, of, uh, this idea of like what a manly man is or what this idea of like what a man is in America, we have such as alpha mentality of like, you know, you gotta be built like a Ford truck and you, you chew tobacco and you, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, there's so many different versions of what a man is and dealing with emotions is something that I don't think a lot of men have been able to openly do in this country. And, that has caused so much extra shit that we don't need in this, in this environment, you know? And if if you just deal with your emotions and allow yourself to feel those feelings, because that's the only way you're going to get through these tough times or whatever you're going through is actually head on taking a, a, a moment to what, what I call just laying in your mess, Lay in your mess and figure it the fuck out. And yeah. then try and get back up i think a lot of times we just get sold that that old bill of goods where it's like just get back up just get back on the horse you got to get back out there and you're like yeah just give me a minute <laughs> you know i i really try to tell people to just like lay in your mess a minute figure out how you're hurt where it hurts what's going on and, and how to get back up again
1: mm-hmm. It's about that resiliency. And, and if you look at the definition of re- resilience, it's about the ability to bounce back, right? But then, but then we have, and it says bounce back quickly. I believe that's what the dictionary that de- definition is, you bounce back quickly. So we had the interpretation of bouncing back quickly means that, you know, yeah, I'm brokenhearted today. I'm going to be bouncing back tomorrow. <laughs>
0: <So> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We put
1: a timeline for ourselves and we think that something needs to happen at this particular day, particular way and at this moment. Um, But that's like, you know, going back to that self-talk again. um, It's about setting up expectation or storyline for yourself when when you're not even ready yet. And I don't believe that we give ourselves enough time to grieve, to actually feel sad and to embrace those negative, negative feelings. We continue to push them away thinking that they are bad they're unwanted they're not welcome but when in fact how can you see the light without the shadow you can
0: yeah yeah and and that's the thing you just it's it's okay to be in repair and i I think a lot of people uh they see feelings or and emotions and all that as as a weakness instead of a strength and um I feel like there's a lot of lack of empathy for that in this, especially in America, other parts of the world. I think it's, I think it's totally different. There's a lot more honesty going on in, in Europe and, and parts of Spain and, and this and that, but like here in America, it is, it is, uh, we have a, a real lack of empathy.
1: I think people forget that <clears throat> to put themselves into other shoes. and yes. And when we don't do that, what we're creating is a monster, <laughs> like a, really a monster um, within us and within the country itself. And, and, you know, in order to have that empathy, it's about putting yourself into other's shoes and just understanding. There's a big lack of understanding from each other and we're so quick to judge. We don't take our time to listen to each other we listen, but we don't necessarily listen to what is not said. Um, and we're, we're quickly moving on to the next thing.
0: Yeah. How do you, and how do we fight this narrative? Like we talked about this earlier, this narrative of, of what the, of, of, of what they push on us, right? Like, this is what, uh, you know, normal looks like. This is what your body should look like. This is what car you should drive and all of that stuff. How do you fight back on that and gain, confidence and self-awareness and all the stuff that you're supposed to be, all that inner work that you're supposed to be doing when your outer world is is under attack all the time by you know 30 second commercials.
1: So making choice, making choice is really, really what will work. So recognizing who, who you are is one, right? Awareness, acceptance. And then your next step would be the choice. You you have options. And every one of us have options. There are actually seven options that you can choose from. One option is anytime something happened to you, you can go back and feel like, you know, I'm a worthless shit. You know, I don't worth anything.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the one I usually choose. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that's why I said it. Uh, (laughs) The other way that you can choose is you can have anger. Oh my God, you know, the whole world is against me. Why am I the one who have to go through this? This is so challenging for me. That's another way to choose to look at it.
0: That's my second favorite. Yeah, you're naming them. You got it.
1: The third way that you can choose is, you know, shit only happened to me because it's my personal responsibility to make it happen. So I'm going to start taking some responsibility, even though here I am, I'm stuck. I'm stuck with this uh, unwanted person just latching onto my thoughts, to my belief, and therefore co- causing a lot of problems in my life. But I'm going to take personal responsibility by accepting it, and I'm going to put it up with it. It is what it is that's the third type of option that you can choose. It is what it is. The fourth options is coming out from a more loving and compassionate way. So you can approach it by saying to yourself, well, there's a lot of people who's going through this. Let me see if I can help them, and therefore in helping me. So let me help others so that that in turn, I would be helped. So that's one way of approaching it too, is by having a lot of loving and kind and compassionate way to serve others before you put yourself into that situation. So that's number four. Uh, number five, the fifth way that you can, you can choose is you can choose it based on your seeing life as opportunity. So when life throws us at lemons, what do you do with the lemon? I'm curious,
0: what do uh, you do with You stomp on it. You crush it. No, <laughs> you make lemonade, right? You're supposed to take these bad scenarios and turn them into, you're supposed to look for the positives.
1: Yeah, yeah. How, how about you take the lemon and ask where the vodka is? <laughs> So you, wanna, you want to create that win-win situation for everybody, right? So that's mm-hmm. another option to choose on how you want to look at your circumstances or this negative self-talk going on. So what can I learn from it? How can I use this to my advantage? How can I use this in a more empowering way so that I don't get caught up with being in that low self-esteem moment? Um, so you create a win-win situation. Take the lemon, ask for vodka.
0: So drink more. Yes, got it. <laughs> <laughs> the key to self-care: vodka.
1: Drink more, but only invite me over, <laughs> right. so we can drink, drink with
0: together. friends. Got it. Yes, drink
1: with friends, and and this is the opportunity. Win-win. Okay, win-win situation. <laughs> <Got it. laughs> the six number six is what can you do to create? Um, so you mentioned creativity earlier, that you were very creative. When you're in a creative space, chances are you're very engaged. You're fully present in that moment. So what is it that you can do to be in a creative space um, when, you, when you have those negative self-talk moments? Maybe go out to jog, maybe go out to um, a party or come over, you know, let's have a party. So how do you co-create or create something that will get you out of your thinking mind and be uh, allowing yourself to be in the, in the present moment. Um, so that's number six that you can choose. Number seven, the seventh way that you can choose um, how you view yourself or your situation is coming off from a absolute compassion, wisdom, and conscious way of choosing your life. So that is living in a space of abundance every moment you have many things, and that you truly believe everything that you have. You embrace being in this planet. I will tell you that most people don't 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 tap into that seven number, uh, the seven choice. Because yeah, they I was can't gonna be. say the, yeah.
0: the, it feels like the the gratitude route.
1: It's a gratitude route. It's non judgmental route. So that is the route of unconditional love. No matter who you are, how you are being you are embracing every single piece of you and that you actually truly believe in trusting the process. Um, but a lot of people are unable to stay in that, in that space for a very long time because they get trapped down to the lower, lower space of, you know, I feel like I'm a worthless shit. So they get trapped into that space. But number seven is available to everyone.
0: Interesting. Interesting. And and, I, and the gratitude is something that I've been practicing more and more. On, on a serious note, I have been I've been practicing the, the gratitude route a, a lot more and trying to be, uh, you know, especially in these times where we've been stuck at home for a year now and. You know, missing those things that I used to complain about, about having to, you know, take two or three planes to go perform somewhere, getting stuck in traffic and all those things that you used to complain about. It's like, oh, man, I, I miss that. I was so lucky to be able to be touring and performing and, and all of those things. And it, it just it shifts your perspective. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I would recommend to also do a purpose journal. So what is your purpose um, for doing all that, for doing what you do. What is your purpose waking up in the morning when you don't have to do anything? Yeah. Oh,
0: man. Uh, I would say rent money is probably the, <laughs> <laughs> the purpose. <laughs> yeah, I think that's everybody's purpose. And uh, here is uh, rent money, I think, is <laughs> what gets us up in the morning.
1: <laughs> no, you, that's mean, a... you bring joy for people. Yeah, some nights, you know. <laughs>
0: some nights they heckle me, but sure. Some nights joy. No, I, I think, I think that is important. I think, and especially I think what's what this whole lockdown period has taught a lot of us is uh, what's really important in our lives. You know, we've been programmed to think it is, you know, get up, drink coffee, go to work, eat lunch, come home, you know, do this, go to bed, get up, drink coffee, go to work. And you get you get locked into that because that's what everybody else around you is doing. That's what they're showing you on TV and movies like that is life. Um, And I think this lockdown has really slowed things down and really opened up a lot of family time, a lot of self time. Uh, You know, the people are spending with themselves, asking them the questions that you and I have been talking about. Who am I? What do I care about? What's important to me? and why and why do i give a fuck about this and and what am i doing what is the goal here
1: mm-hmm. it, it comes to the question of you know what is the legacy i'm leaving behind or well, how do i want people to remember me
0: it's so funny you brought that up my girlfriend and i talk about this all the time this idea of legacy and yeah. uh she has She has no attachment to the idea of legacy at all. And she she claims that you know we've we've talked about this many a times. And she's like, I'm pretty sure that is a a male narrative. This idea of living on is such a uh, is so important to men to have a leg something I can pass down to live on forever. And she was arguing that the women live more in the moment and they're trying to figure out how to take care of things now and what's what's best to do right now in this moment where men are like, how would they think of me when I'm gone? <laughs> that's so interesting.
1: I, I don't I don't believe that's true because, you know, it's funny because um this came up because I during my uh, book club, we were reading this book. It's by um gosh, I can't remember her name. But the title is called The, the Invisible Life of uh, Abby LaRue, LaRue. And so it's a story about this young woman in her 20s. And she was going from lifetime to lifetime, but no one can remember her. And one of the things that brought up during the discussion in the book club was that there's no self-identity so when you don't have that self-identity you don't know who you are and people can't remember you in other words you have no legacy whatsoever living in the world then you go into that space of like who am I and why am I here for so you start wandering around like why does it even matter that I am alive so I, I think it's not entirely true that women don't care about the legacy. I think legacy is a misleading word for a lot of people. Maybe it's a, it sounds more masculine. That's why a lot of women can resonate with it. So the way that I, sometimes I like to use the, use the question is how do you want people to remember you? Like,
0: yeah. That sounds way better than the idea. Cause again, you think of legacy as almost like a, a royalty thing, you know, um, a king passing down or a king or queen passing down their, their selves, their kingdom, their everything to the next generation and so on and so forth. And I like the way that you're framing it and the idea of like, how do I want to be remembered?
1: Yeah. And, and it's not necessarily a property that you're leaving behind. It's not an estate that you're living behind. It's actually a feeling that you're leaving behind uh, how how do you want people to remember you whether it's a a feeling that you're you're giving them whether it's an idea a thought an image how do you want people to remember and and that i think is really important for people to think about like how do you want people to remember you your family your friends your unwanted yeah. friends yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're giving me so much homework i don't like it uh <laughs> i have I got to figure out who I am, what my purpose is, and <laughs> what I want people to remember me by. This is terrible. This is a lot of work.
1: Hey, I told you you have to do the work
0: <laughs> so let's talk about your new book uh so what's it about? How did you come up with it, and where can we get it?
1: Sure. So it's about my story. It's a memoir. It basically summarized my life journey up until when I was um, 40, 42 after my trip to Machu Picchu. Um It described my story. Wait a minute.
0: You're, you're older than 42 years old?
1: I'm 47 this year. No. Yes.
0: What? <laughs> okay. 47. That's, that's unbelievable. You look great. You look fantastic. I would have never guessed. That's insane. Okay, go on. <laughs> Sorry, I, love,
1: that's... I love how you interrupt me with very important message. <laughs> I thought maybe
0: I heard it wrong. I was like, I heard 42 and I was like, uh-huh, wait a minute. What the fuck? Yep. it's crazy.
1: So, to summarize my uh, entire life's journey um, of how I was struggling with my body image as someone who has disability from a car accident. And uh, I was not born here, so I'm an immigrant. And it also described my experience back in Taiwan, where I came from and my family. So there's a lot of uh, interaction that people can see and read in the book about my relationship with my mom, my dad, my brother, and my sister. And it, it, there's a big portion of it that talk about vulnerability and how I've been living with them for my entire life, and they had no idea what I was going through. Um, I hid it very well, and I had set up this parameter around me to being perceived as someone who's strong who never cry who's always optimistic but deep down inside I have some very dark moments Um, so that's what the book is about and they can find my book they can order my book on Amazon or they can go to my website it it is available on my website and if they order from my website I personally signed it and send it out to them Um, so my website is at elevatelifecoaching.org And there's a little tap on the top that people can order book.
0: Perfect. Yeah. And I, I relate to that so much about this idea of, uh, of keeping things hidden. You know, you, 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 you know, you, my family always uh, growing up, it was always keeping those emotions kind of to yourself. Um, I talk about how my family would, we would, we battled hard topics with hard laughter and nobody actually, you know, I never, I saw my mother cry maybe once or twice. My grandmother, it's been very late in her nineties. <laughs> Have I seen, and since I've recently seen her actually break down and cry, um, you know, I went my entire life with it without that. And, you know, I've been, I was raised by two very strong independent women. And, but in that world, it was, uh, emotions were something you, you did on your own. You never let anybody see you have, have them and cry and do all those things. And, and I was something I was proud of for a long time was I, you know, I would tout to friends, you know, I I cry maybe once a year, (laughs) you know, and and as I get older, I'm like, I just cried at a commercial, (laughs) you know, you you break down those, those walls a little bit more, the older you get. And, and, uh, or at least in, in my situation and you open up more, um, I've also had a lot of grief and, and death in, in my life. And so I've become way more open about that in hopes to help others break down those barriers.
1: Yeah, do you cry uh, like, um, what that called? Uh, uh, let go, let it go, that busy that movie? You, just-
0: <laughs> you know, I, I haven't seen it, but I, pro- I probably would.
1: <laughs> you need to see it. You need to watch it. <laughs> I cry so many times. <laughs>
0: So talking about so keeping that from family, how did they how did they react to to your situation over the years? Um, were they were they were they trying to, to baby you or, or or what was the what was their reaction to to what happened to you after your accident?
1: My mom, she's uh, probably the strongest woman that I, I, I ever come across. Never saw her cry. And she was there um, to stay with me when I was doing recovery during after the accident. And she's always had given me ideas that you need to be able to do things on your own. And so she trained me to be independent. She trained me to learn skills that will, that will actually bring some income so that I don't have to rely on anybody. So she, she trained me to be this really independent person. My dad, on the other hand, he's more of a, you know, pampering you, oh, you know, it's okay if you fall, that's all right, you know, let me give you a hug. So I got, I got both, I got both from my parents and my sister was probably the closest one to me. So we shared the same room when we grew up and I, I talked to her about a lot of things, except I never taught her, I never taught her how to, how to get the voice. Like, that was something <laughs> that was not in my area. And I remember I was crying at her wedding and I was doing the speech and, and um, I told her that I wish I could be a better sister because I felt that I never share any of the, how to put on the makeup, how to go out on dates, you know, how to look pretty. I never I was never in the position to do that because given the fact that I was so struggling with my body image, I didn't feel I was pretty. So I never got to experience that, you know, putting on makeup and attracting the boys and going out on date. it was never part of my life. So Mm -hmm. if I had anything that was, um, that I, I have regrets on, it would be the part where I wasn't really fully being myself. I never tried putting makeup on. Uh, I never try go out and chasing the boys, and that was something that I was missing.
0: So you have so much strength, and you, and you've overcome so much, and it's something that, that you're very aware about, right? You seem like somebody who knows yourself through and through. Um, when you when you go out in public and like you are at the gym, or you doing this? Do you find people pander to you still, or? And how does that make you feel?
1: It, it used to bother me a lot when people are looking. And it's like, you know, you're being spotlighted and there, you, you have nowhere to hide. You, like, you're, you feel like you're naked walking into the gym. Um, but nowadays, I walk in and people are still staring at me. People are still looking. But it's not about me. It's about them. When they're looking Man. at me, it's not about me. It's not about who I am. It's about them, because they have something that they don't know, they have something that they're working through in their mind, that it's not my, it's not my responsibility to understand that. So it's not about me, it's about them.
0: so much for listening. I want to thank my guest again, Michelle Quay. If you want to know more about her or get involved, you can find her at elevate That's elevate And if you want to find out more about me, or just keep up, you can check me out on Twitter, Instagram, or whatever you have at Malone comedy. That's at Malone comedy. Thanks for listening. too sick of hearing my voice you can check out another podcast that I'm on called speakerphone i do it with my friend and singer songwriter ryan m brewer it's a good time uh you know pretty much the premise is him and i were having these great conversations over the years they were thought provoking they were funny they were interesting and Nobody got to hear them. And so now we started to record our phone conversations and share them with the world. It's called Speakerphone, and you can listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Don't forget to subscribe.